Listening to the Indie Echo Podcast, a showcase of independent music and the artists that make it. I'm Jordan, producer at High Five Music. Phoebe Cadis is an English singer-songwriter currently based in New York. On July 16th, she releases her third studio album, Sweet Reunion. in the southeast in Kent and uh, I had very musical parents which was great they were they didn't do music as professions my mom used to sing uh, in a band and things but they're both in the film industry which is also very creative and really good for just like oh you want to be a creative okay great here's two very supportive parents so that was really great and they listened to a huge amount of stuff musical theater was a huge part of my childhood I was in all the shows I was that kid that kid that wouldn't stop singing or harmonizing to everything and was just making everything really super dramatic because I was a theater kid so that was me um but then you know my mom would be blasting Barbara Streisand Liza Minnelli all the big ballads a lot of bond music a lot of big belting you know real female powerhouse vocalists and my dad would be blasting Santana, Led Zeppelin, uh, Gypsy Kings. So (laughs) I think I had a a very broad musical upbringing. Um, We loved all the like Britpop bands, you know, Arctic Monkeys, Kaiser Chiefs, Coldplay, um, Franz Ferdinand, like Keen, all of those kind of Brit post-punk, more 2000s. That's what I grew up on with my family, which was really great. Carol King, Alicia Keys, Eva Cassidy, Nora Jones, and like those kind of singer-songwriter based around an instrument. They were very influential as well. When I knew that I wanted to play piano and sing, I was listening to them and being like, okay, how are they writing and playing and, and all of that sort of thing. So were you writing music when you were young as well? From about 11, I remember writing. I remember sitting down at a piano because I learned piano um, classically from a young age and I remember sitting down at the piano and just being like all right cool let's make a little it was definitely very musical theatre and they will definitely not see the live day these songs but they were really fun and kind of heartbreak without any experience which was interesting like I would just write about like stories or dreams that I had I haven't really had much life experience so I was just sort of making it up which was fun but yeah they are they're hilariously dramatic for like an 11 year old so but um I started yeah I started kind of formulating songs yeah around 12 13 and then about 15 16 I would play them to people and do some shows and things like that what was your very first like proper release that come way later? Yeah, I think I knew I wanted to be a singer-songwriter from a young age, which was great, but I took, a, in in industry standard terms, I guess I took a while to get to my first, like, all right, this is Phoebe Cates, this is what she's doing. I was working with a ton of different collaborators, different producers and getting bands in, like just wanting to play my music with bands and more of a live band music instead of kind of the more electronic or like bedroom production sort of style um I was always more of a live performer so that was how I thought I would make my music and then 
yeah, like three EPs have gone unreleased and unheard just because I would finish the project and it would feel really good. And then I get to the end, I'd be like, wow, this doesn't make any sense artistically or like something just didn't, it just wasn't like polished enough. It didn't feel right enough. I made like an EP when I was 18 or 19. And then I went to uni and made another one at the end of uni. And then I made another one at like 22, 23 with a full studio, full band, full producer, like the whole works. But I didn't put any of that out. And then my first album that I put out, Honesty, was 2019. That was produced by Corey, Corey Wong, guitarist, producer, amazing, just general, amazing human being. He's actually how I discovered you. Oh, great. And how did you hook up with him? Uh, good old Instagram. Uh, he was playing with Wolfpack in the in London. I went to see their show and I just dropped him a message and was like, hey, that was such a great show. Let me know if you need any vocals for anything. I'm a singer, blah, blah, blah. And it was one of those moments where it was like, he was reading his messages. Like he was really, he was caring about people who were reaching out. He was investing in like actually checking out what they were doing and sending him, which was really great. And he listened to my stuff and was like, sure, yeah, his, I mean, he sent me a couple tracks, but the first one turned into Juke on Jelly, if you know that tune. Um, but it was very like, I obviously loved Wolfpack and his music was also very him, but also like in the same stream of music that I loved. But I had no idea what kind of thing he wanted. He was like, oh, I was actually looking for a British singer. So I was like, okay, so he kind of wants the British accent thing. So I'm going to do that, even though I wasn't really doing that. And yeah, and then I just, I literally just threw him what I thought were my best ideas. And it was just, it just clicked, which was amazing. Then he was like, well, let me, let me produce your music. Why aren't you making music? I was like, because I'm trying this and trying to do this. And he was like, no, you're literally doing what like all of your favorite artists in America are doing. Emily King, Joey Dosick, Theo Katzman, like all these people that I loved in the States were doing the singer songwriter band live thing. And he was like, why aren't you doing that? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm having an identity crisis. So he helps a lot, a huge amount. And uh, yeah, he's produced my last three records. Ow. any artist there's almost this like time where they either put out they haven't put out anything yet so it's that moment where they're like do I do a bunch of singles do I do an EP do I do a full album and there's there's not really one correct answer to anything in the music industry but a lot of people see a lot of value in singles which is great and then a lot of people still see, see value in a bigger body of work I'm probably one of the latter in the, like, just the way I consume music. If I see someone's put out an album of music, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, and if I like their music, it's like, I'm gonna give their whole album my time of day because it feels more substantial. And for sure, putting out singles before the album also just to like get those listeners up and tease the new sound or the new approach or whatever you're working on. But I've always been a fan of, a, of putting albums out yeah, and it also just as an artistic creation, it just feels more complete when you have a whole album's worth of music. You're like, all right, that chapter is done. It's in that album. And then this chapter is done. If, whereas if it was sporadic singles, I just wouldn't feel like I'd gotten anything out of my system, uh, if that makes sense. <laughs> I definitely appreciate that because, you know, some of my favorite albums are the ones that I listen to start to finish. You know, there's a kind of a beginning, middle and end to the story, whether lyrically or sonically. 
which I really enjoy. So when did you move to the States? Uh, this February. So I've only been here oh, okay. five, five months, five months. Um, but I've been out on tour with Corey for the last couple of years. And one of those tours was out around the States. So I've, I spent a bit of time, spent a lot of time here end of 2019, beginning of 2020, East Coast and West Coast tours. And yeah, just decided to take the plunge. <laughs> I've seen some of your, the, the live videos from your, your gigs with him. They look a lot of fun. Cool. Oh my gosh. So much fun. So let's go right into your new album, Sweet Reunion. Let's start at the top. You did this on your last album as well. You're keeping the intro track alive. Is that something you <laughs> like you. to hear on other artists' albums? You wanted to have your own little intro? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I've had interludes, as they were, on all of the albums, just like little ideas that didn't really make it into a full song, but didn't need to. They kind of were just like a, an idea mainly vocal, just all harmony stuff. And I like that theme, having those moments of an album that aren't full songs and they're just more of a, like a kind of a palette cleanser or like a, just like a, looks like another dimension of, of artistry. And the time to wake was, yeah, at the end of the second album and the top of this album, because it's supposed to be like a kind of journey in that sense. I wanted to make that seem like it carried on. Was there a main theme or story going into this album that you wanted to tell? It was all written last year. So all written over this time where, you know, we, we couldn't do a lot of the things we wanted to do and a lot of things changed for everyone. And I went through a big breakup, which is basically the second half of the album, which I'm sure you gathered from listening to it. Um, I was gonna ask you about that, yeah. Yeah, the, the first half, I mean, the whole thing, I've always wanted to convey a sense of self-awareness and just acceptance and I've, I've tried to get that through all of my albums and I'm queen of giving advice and not taking it so this is in no way being like hey I have figured my shit out and nope I have not done that but on the way that's one of the main messages I like to to try and talk about um because it's so important it's like the first album was all honesty and it was all about like growth and lessons and trying to and just like coming to terms with your kind of age like the 20s song and then just like how you feel about certain things and then it's okay to cry was really just that whole emotional release thing it was like right you know people especially british people we are very good at bottling up our emotions and being told you know to chin up carry on tough love kind of thing i'm definitely from a school of tough love and i see the benefits 100 percent, but we can't be like that all the time is is my my own sort of opinion. So that album was really about that. And then this album, I kind of just wanted to not only like keep that message alive, but also just get a little bit more feisty and a little bit more sassy with it and just be like, all right, enough kind of like, everything is love and we're all like, <laughs> like I'm for that, I'm so for that. But I'm also like, getting to the end of my 20s and I'm much more like all right I just want to be a bit a little bit more sassy a little bit more just proud of all of these mistakes that I've made and all of these things that have happened and then all of these decisions that I'm making that feel really empowering and especially the song that's just come out like I am was such it's it's a big mantra in the meditation buddhist world I don't know how much of that you're into but I I over the last few years like really got into that side of spirituality and stuff and I just it I didn't even intend for that song to kind of be more be like mantra-esque it was just that those lyrics were just like 
we, we always come to the end of that sentence and try and put an adjective in it. Like, I am poor, I am busy, I am beautiful, or I am ugly, or I am stressed, or I am lazy, or like all of these words, positive and negative, but usually ending up being kind of negative um, a lot of the time. I just think it's really important to take those words out and just like realize that that is who you are and just be comfortable and accepting of that. Busy lady, gotta get ready And it's making me wanna say feel that sassiness come through musically cool. in the first half of the album because I, I am is like this self-love anthem in a way you know? yeah <laughs> yeah that's the idea paris is the inspiration of paris you know on his face i didn't go to paris i actually ended up going to berlin in august of 2020 but berlin wasn't as lyrical as paris in that setting so i used the word paris also because you know paris is that metaphor for the city of love and where couples go to have a really beautiful romantic time and i just wanted to be like all right but you can also take yourself there and have your own trip with yourself and like yeah just fall in love with yourself instead of having it to be someone else yeah the true story is that i went to berlin in august and did that but don't tell paris that and don't tell berlin that i love them both <laughs> and uh never be a cool girl lots of image and heat vibes was that on purpose oh yeah awesome absolutely she's amazing yeah she's a huge influence i forgot to mention her and my influences but yes i'll never be a cool girl i'll never play that game i'm not much of a smooth girl not really one to wait so if i like you and you like me too i'll make the time so we can break the rules oh talking about using your your british accent as you sing mm. was that a conscious effort because you know a lot of people their accent disappears somehow when they sing yeah honestly that was corey corey was like well you know you're british why aren't you singing with a british accent and i was like well no, we, we never do we always as you say we always sort of lose our accent or sing in an american accent-esque thing and and i always used to so it was a conscious thing but now it feels a little more kind of built in um but yeah, some of them some of them come across really British, which is really funny. Um, That's how you managed to rhyme Paris with chances. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that one was a little more like, all right, I have to say chances because I'm English, but I can't say Paris. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I cheat the system a little bit. Yeah, Who cares? <laughs> it worked. It worked. Sweet Reunion is funny. It goes into like a, a sax flute solo. So I assume that was all Corey's idea? Uh, no, that was my idea. So the, actually the fun thing with this album, this is the most I've produced on an album. So uh, and so the, the balance between Corey mixing and producing and me producing has sort of leveled out. So Corey did a, like a huge amount. He did all the mixing. He mixed the whole album. But a lot of the production was already in place. And Sweet Reunion that I wrote with Seth, who's on bass, uh, he sent over to me a lot of the tracks that you already hear. And then I put in all the vocals, arranged it. Um, Sam Greenfield played the sax and the flute stuff. 
So th those were creative decisions that were already in place before that stuff went off to Corey. Same with the first half of that album. Most of it was already in there, which is, which I, I just feel super proud of, just because I haven't ever really produced anything. And that was more of a like pandemic moment of like, you know what, I'm going to see if I can produce some stuff. And and you can. You just, uh, it sounds amazing. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. But that's definitely Corey making it actually sound good. And <laughs> all the production side of it, it was just like my ideas of my terrible sample drums and then him being like, all right, this is how it's going to sound. <laughs> well, you did a wonderful job. Thank you. Uh, Going back to your, your first singles, I Am in Paris, you have the music video. Mm. So I want to talk a little bit about the visual component, how you got into this this green screen, yeah. you know, fantasy land kind of thing. Because even now, when I listen to the songs, I picture the visuals with it. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, that again is, I think it's such an important part of being an independent artist. It's just you have to start doing as much of it as you can on your own, unless you have a huge budget to pay people. So I learned how to edit videos and make my own content because I have to. Like, the, the, I don't necessarily have the resources to go out and like pay for people to do that. And also I think it helps you create this world of your artistry when everything comes from you. Like all the different elements, the artwork and the videos and... I just feel like it glues it all together a little more. So Paris video was a very silly video that I just literally slaved over Adobe Premiere for four days and just did it as I went. I had no idea what kind of world I was creating. It's the same with, I don't know whether you saw the video for the cover of the Prince tune, I Feel For You, that I did with my friend. That was another one where I was just like, okay, I have footage of myself dancing in front of a green screen. What do I do? And it's literally a blank canvas to start with. There is nothing in place. And then I Am video was made by a friend of mine, Richie Brown, who's in Asbury Park down in Philly, um, Pennsylvania. That was like, okay, we have two days to shoot this. Let's run down the shot list. Let's get some ideas down. So that was a lot more directed um, and really fun to do. Yeah, they're definitely a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> so if you're listening to this right now, check out Phoebe's YouTube channel. Yay. <laughs> so you have this, this interlude, kind of like an act two. Mm. So why did you want to split the album into two rather than, you know, do one from one side and one from the other? Um, I've always had that with albums of like, you'll have your ballads and you'll have your slower songs. And I, I don't know, I don't know why the, there's the, I just see that as a kind of form that you open with your bangers and then you have a little palate cleanser in the middle and then you have the softer side. And then I finish it with more of an up-tempo song too. So yeah, I don't know. I think that's also the journey of it. It's like you start, kind of how you feel about relationships. You start with all of this positivity and all of this excitement and all of this like flair and then it doesn't work out and like then I guess if you looked at the whole album like that like the end of the album is more about the trouble you went through and about the end and then the final chapter is like all right this is this is it how look how far we've come and look what's what we've learned but it's not really intended to entirely be about the breakup <laughs> it's it's really intended to be about your own journey through whatever you're going through whether it's heartbreak whether it's loss whether it's moving to a new country, whether it's anything really. Um, but for me personally, yeah, the, uh, I mean, yeah, it's pretty self-explanatory, those next three songs after the interlude. Yeah, like uh, it takes two, it kind of builds from a ballad into something bigger, almost to the point where I, I thought like a, a full choir was gonna come in towards the end. <laughs> yeah. This gets really, really big. It's really cool.
three albums in three years. How do you do it? How do you do it, Phoebe? Uh, um, <laughs> honestly, I, I mean, also working with Corey, it's like Corey works so hard and puts out so much music. That mentality of like, all right, here's the next album, here's the next cycle, he understands. So from a producer artist role, that's a really helpful thing to have because, you know, he's sort of expecting it to be that quick because that's the mode that he runs in. So for you, then that's like, okay, cool. Here's my next idea. Let's go. I'm definitely someone who stalled for ages to put anything out. And now I've put something out. Like I felt that release of like, okay, I've made my first statement. Like I've, I've said what I want to say. And now it's just so much easier to say, to say stuff. Cause you're like, you've opened the conversation already. It's like that first album or that first release. I it takes a while to get out, I guess, in a lot of places because you want to make it right. But once you have put it out, it's then like, all right, I'm going to have a lot of fun now. So I'm thinking about the next project. It probably it might not be a, a kind of full project, but I've definitely got a few singles in the works that I want to be exploring. And I'm ready to do a lot more collaboration and stuff as well, because I think that's a really fun element of music. Do you have just a, an overflowing voice notes folder? Yeah. Yeah, Although, but you know, there'll be times when it's a pretty quiet folder and it's like I haven't recorded anything for a while and those moments are pretty scary and not very nice because you're like, oh my god, if I run out of inspiration, but you never do, it's just getting the juices flowing again and finding something uh, moving. Was there a song on the album that, you know, started one way and then evolved into something completely different? Probably the last song, How Far We Come. We sent that track to Steve Gould, who's on drums, excellent drummer. And when he sent those drums, like I had an idea of the kind of style I wanted and I sent Corey a couple of Leanne Le Havas tunes and just some sonic references. And when he sent back those drums, I was just like, oh my God, this is like one of my favorite songs on the album because it just suddenly lifts it and puts it in this place that it wasn't already. It was more of a kind of like chilled, maybe slightly ambient sort of reflective song. And then it just became this really thick groove of just like, oh, this has a lot of punch and this is really fun. And yeah, so I'm super proud of that one actually. And I hope even though it's at the end of the album, I, I hope it doesn't go unlistened to because it's one of my favorites for sure. Yeah, it's kind of like the bringing it back home after you've done the emotional side. Yeah. It's like, okay, we're okay. Now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, we're good, people. We're good, we're good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so are you planning on touring this album at all? Um, I mean, right now I'm sort of getting my feet to get, like putting my feet down in a new country, let alone city. So I'm, uh, I've got some shows coming up. I've got a New York show, July 14th. So a couple days before the album comes out at the Bowery Electric in Manhattan, which would be fun. And then I've got an LA show and I'm looking to book a Nashville show as well later on in the year. So I'm definitely putting some stuff together, but I would love to get maybe like an opening set for someone or put together more of like a living room tour vibe, something that's slightly more intimate. Um, but yeah, I, I want to get on the road badly. I, that's what I love. So <laughs> that's the aim for the next year or so. Was there a more difficult part of this album versus the others? I wouldn't say difficult, I'd just say the process was completely different. The songs were already, as I mentioned, like kind of already produced before they went out. And there was no live band in the room recording this time. There was, it was all done remotely. So any instruments you're hearing on there are all done by people in their houses, respectively, across the world, um, which is just a completely different vibe. And that actually, I really enjoy that. I really like how it sounds and how it, this more sample based, slightly more of that bedroom production thing that I wasn't doing at the very beginning um, that I am doing now. It, it feels, feels like a natural progression. It feels uh, really fun. I love that because that's what I do anyway. I'm just, you know, mm. 
sending files back and forth to people all over the world. <laughs> yeah. It's like Christmas when anyone sends you stuff, you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And you open it up and you put it in, you're like, oh, this is amazing. Do you want to, you know, do more collaborations in genres that you're less familiar with? Yeah, definitely. I think that's really, I had a session yesterday that was a lot, it was much more different than stuff I'd like done before. It wasn't quite in the same wheelhouse, but that's what stretches you and what's kind of improving your musicality and also just creates a really fun cocktail of genres and influences. So definitely. What would you say is a a career highlight of yours so far? I mean, honestly, touring the world has been insane with Corey and his music and opening for him on the West Coast tour, which was really, really fun. And just, yeah, playing with all of those crazy people. And then Paris show was insane. That was the last show we did, February 29th, 2020, (laughs) before the world paused. That was a really, really fun show. And that whole last few years of experiencing proper touring that's been really really fun and next time you visit paris you'll have a proper song i know the amount of parisians that are reaching out like well when are you coming (laughs) i want to be there now i don't know i think the album coming out july 16th is the main thing and if anyone wants to pre-order it via my website they get an extra two songs that are not released and won't be released for a while so if they uh, want like some special content you can get it through my website also it's the same price that you would pay if you bought it off Bandcamp, but i get more money because Bandcamp take a lot of money even though they're good they do take a lot of money so if people want to support a little more but for the same price for them then uh yeah go to my website <laughs> to pre-save or pre-order the album follow the link in the show notes The video version of the show is available on YouTube. Indie Echo is a product of High Five Music, a digital production studio that brings your bedroom demos to life. If you want your music produced or remixed, visit the link on my Instagram, at High Five Music, and you can follow the show at Indie Echo Podcast. Thank you for listening. I'll never be a cool